Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now, the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? Doing great. Looking forward to this episode where we uh, sort of bring everything to the table that has gone on over the course of the last few days. Um, Really hope everyone out there is doing well. You know what's missing? What? How you're doing. (laughs) How are you? Thank you for asking, Lance. I am doing great. I love... Speaking to our fantastic audience in these episodes, I feel like we get more interactive in this format, and I just love it. And we'll read some YouTube comments in just a few minutes, Lance. But it's been a busy week at Crawl Space Media, and The Missing Podcast last week aired two episodes that featured our friend Bill Thomas of the Mind Over Murder podcast, and of course his sister, Kathy Thomas was murdered as a part of the Colonial Parkway killings. And Bill speaks about her and a little bit about the case in those episodes from last week. And we have a really amusing story with Bill that is only, I don't know, uh, appreciated in the orbit that we exist in now in the true crime industry, which we'll, you know, we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, One thing I want to say about Bill Thomas and his work on the Colonial Parkway murders, he is directly involved in this, and we always want to check in with him because his sister Kathleen was murdered. She was one of the first two known victims. And we always, and it's no disrespect intentionally at all, but we always talk about Kathleen Thomas because we're talking to Bill Thomas, but her partner, Rebecca Andowski, I just want to make sure that we always mention her name along with Kathleen's. Rebecca Andowski was the other person who was murdered on... On that day, October 12th, 1986, she was Kathleen's partner, and Bill speaks about her as well. Again, just didn't want to forget about that particular victim. Great point, Lance, and I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you very much for mentioning that. And some of the comments from part two, which is called Parkway Murders Updates, 
Sarah says, Bill seems like such an intelligent, thoughtful, compassionate person and so dedicated to his cause. Love listening to him on your show. Well, he certainly has fooled you, <laughs> Sarah. Just kidding. There, that's one of the reasons why we have Bill on the show, because he has a direct connection to something that's unsolved. It's a personal family connection. And at the same time, he's got a great sense of humor. He is incredibly articulate. And like Sarah said, intelligent, thoughtful, compassionate. This is like the perfect guest to have on our episodes. Yeah, he really is. And um, he does his own podcast that's a part of the Crawl Space Media family and uh, you can check that out it's mind over murder that is the title and you can check it out at mind over murder podcast.com and paul carpenter here says bill thomas has my utmost respect i really hope he can crack some of these murders and bill thomas has our utmost respect too and paul carpenter you now have our utmost respect so good on you and you mentioned mind over murder they don't specifically cover this case, but they do touch on it. They branched out, right? Well, they, they covered a, a lot, I would say, but they yeah. have branched out um, pretty far. They'll speak with experts and they'll speak about other cases. They, they also look at these cases individually because one of the things that Bill has said a lot over the years is that they're not sure if these are all committed by the same you know, killer. It's unlikely that there's just one serial killer behind these murders. It seems a bit more complicated than that. Yeah. And I bring that up for two reasons. One, because one part of the conversation always leads to, inevitably, leads to another part of the conversation, which is, is this particular set of victims related to this particular set of victims? And if not, are they related to another set of victims or another victim that took place years later? So it grows. You know, this this web of cold cases just ends up growing. And it's, again, inevitable that you're going to end up talking about it or they talk about it on Mind Over Murder. The other reason why I bring it up is because with our story that happened at CrimeCon, his co-host, Kristen Dilly on Mind Over Murder, was an integral part of the missing Bill Thomas story, which we'll get to. But I just want to yeah. make sure that uh, people know that Kristen Dilly really stepped up when looking for Bill during this harrowing event at CrimeCon. <laughs> yes, and uh, so in part two, that Parkway Murders Updates episode, we get into one of the, I guess you could call him a person of interest or a suspect. I don't know how official that terminology would be in Ron Little's case, but certainly a suspicious guy when it comes to the case. He wrote a letter that basically implicated himself in the murders, and uh, so we speak about that a little bit in part two, the episode that came out on July 7th, 2022. And we posted the entire letter on Instagram. You can check that out at Instagram.com slash Missing CSM. And again, it's it's rambling. It's like seven pages. It's rambling and it is bizarre as hell. So we just want to mention that. Make sure uh, interested folks check it out. Got to wonder where people's minds are at when they write something like that. I have no qualifications to unpack that right so it'd be interesting to hear what people think about it from regular folks like you and i to hopefully people who hold a degree that can work towards understanding if at all what is being said in this letter I don't think you need to be an expert to call this letter weird as hell because... Uh, oh, you certainly he, don't he need to be not, an expert to call that. Yeah, He was not a suspect until he wrote this letter. And now the yeah. FBI is very interested in him. Um, so some, sometimes that's how these leads come about. And uh, Bill describes his uh, 
conversations with the FBI regarding this uh, Ron Little. And he also mentions that he spoke with um, Ron Little's children, um, who also believe there's a chance his their father um, had a part in some of these killings. Oh, man, well, hopefully this is one step closer, right? I mean, if he isn't directly involved in this, maybe he knows somebody who is. Yeah, it sounds it's he sounds like a pretty good suspect, I, I have to say, although he is now deceased um, recently, which is uh, which is unfortunate if he uh, had any part in these killings. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. Okay, Lance, and on July 11th, 2022, we released an episode, one of these Missing Updates episodes, and we asked our audience, our fine audience, for some additional title names. We still haven't really fully decided, I think. We've sort of still thrown some ideas around as far as titling for this format of episode, and Robin Ann Barrow says, Missing, comma, never forgotten. It's not bad. Elizabeth B. says, how about follow-up on the missing? I think that's pretty good. It's pretty specific. I mean, if anything, what we've learned is that when you title something very specifically, you'll get the listeners that you want. You're, there's really no vagueness there. If you start to get too vague, then you're not going to get the listeners that you're looking for so yeah. yeah pretty specific and travis said missing in the americas that's not too bad that's not too bad my yeah i i i don't want to limit it though you know there might be mm-hmm. moments where we need to cover something a missing person case a cold case outside of the americas but maybe that could be the uh, sort of the addendum to it yeah it's pretty good missing in the colon america's missing in the arctic (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean i guess the americas is pretty wide you know it it counts all of north america and south america and central america so it's true um, you're getting kind of a lot there's a lot of countries mixed into that so i think that would be pretty encompassing you're right i just don't want people in say sweden to be like well i guess they can't cover this missing person who's swedish True. We and we have gotten um, submissions and suggestions from cases all over the world. So I think you're right on that. I think keep it coming, Travis. Though, yeah, please keep them coming. Yeah, follow ups. I think follow ups might be updates and follow ups. Missing colon updates and follow ups. I don't know. A lot of ups there. <laughs> and uh, a commenter named Trump one said, "Not a fan of Maggie." Thumbs down. I don't know why uh, the Trump one commenter decided to write that on this video i I believe that commenter did write also write it on the maggie freeling episode but again not sure why that commenter goes out of their way on this one i also noticed this commenter uh did not appreciate your hail satan t-shirt from uh from last week lance from missing (laughs) bill thomas uh live show (laughs) i'm sorry get us hey why i'm sure that person's fine with a t-shirt that has Jesus Christ on it, right? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I but don't know either. I think the the point of your t-shirt is you're supporting the Satanic Temple out of Salem, Massachusetts, and uh, they fight for separation of church and state, and that's why that is um, an important organization, not because they, uh, you know, I don't want to get 
completely into this, but it's not because they sacrifice goats or uh, or children. Like they're yeah. actually more of a political organization. Yeah, and I didn't know that we were going to get into it, but I think it's fun that we are getting into it. Yeah, the reason why I was wearing that shirt isn't because I'm having satanic rituals at my house. If I were, it's none of anyone's business, and that's the point of the satanic temple. Yeah, they're not doing that either, though. They're not doing that either, that we know of. Just kidding. (laughs) They're definitely not doing that. But you're right. They are uh, warriors for religious freedom, for personal freedoms, and the separation of church and state, which was ultimately what this country was founded on in the first place so and it's a funny shirt i'm sorry i (laughs) i was walking into the supermarket the other day and i had a veteran who was outside asking people to sign some petition which i didn't sign because it wasn't the town that i lived in so i couldn't sign it it would mean nothing and he gave me like the devil horns when not when i walked past him and smiled oh okay i was wearing the the t-shirt so people get it. So he appreciated your shirt. Yeah. Oh, he totally did. Yeah, he gave me like the the rock and roller devil horns. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he gave me that hand si- signal and uh, you know a little nod and a smile and and I nodded and smiled back. Thought that was a good moment. And that's someone who was looking for signatures for some political purpose. I believe it was something to do with the abortion laws in that town. I wasn't too specific on it because again, it wasn't my town, and I was kind of distracted by the. Uh, the devil horns that he gave me. But yes, he was out there doing exactly what that shirt represented. And you had mentioned that Robin had given us a good name, the missing never forgotten. She also commented that she was so glad to hear about dark Valley. Incredible that those cases are still unsolved. And what she's referring to is the new podcast that we are going to be premiering next year about the river Valley killings that happened in the Connecticut river Valley between 1978, 1988 and the Connecticut river Valley is located between Vermont and New Hampshire. And there was a series of murders, young women, and we are working very closely with the last known victim who survived her attack, Jane Borowski, so stay tuned for that and glad that it's gaining a little bit of momentum. Absolutely. Yeah, we love seeing the comments about that. And uh, you're going to be hearing a lot about that show in the upcoming months. And Lance, on Crawl Space on July 10th, 2022, we released an episode called Web Sleuthing the Disappearances of Erica Hogue and Melinda McCullum. And we spoke with a web sleuth named Gwen Barringer, who we met on TikTok. You can follow her at Gwen Monster on TikTok. She has dug very deep into these two disappearance cases, and uh, you could argue maybe a little too deep. Um, but uh, Erica Hogue went missing from Selma, Oregon on May 17th in 2018. She was last seen by her boyfriend at the time, who goes by Hannibal Hopkins, and he's had some some legal troubles, although he is not um, officially a person of interest um, in the case at this point. It is sort of a suspicious disappearance. However, Hogue does suffer from schizophrenia and was classified as disabled, and she is likely in need of medical assistance. So if you have any information on her disappearance, please contact the Josephine County Sheriff's Office at 541-474-5123. And a big thank you to Chloe Cantor of the True Crime Twins. She hosts that show with her twin sister, Melina. She stepped in. She pinch hit. She took the, a swing at the first pitch and... and and crushed a home run with it, crushed a grand slam with it. So I just wanted to personally thank her. I was at a funeral. I couldn't make it. And again, so good to have the people in your 
network of friends and colleagues that you can reach out to, and they'll have no problem just getting behind the mic and contributing some really valuable stuff. I thought she did an amazing job. So big thanks to Chloe for stepping in. Absolutely, yeah. Big thanks to Chloe and Gwen. And um, also, we spoke about Melinda McCollum's disappearance a little bit in that episode towards the end. And Melinda went missing from Seal Beach, California on February 12th, 1989. If you have any information on that, please contact the Seal Beach Police Department at 562-594-7232. And even in the the Charlie Project write-up of Melinda's disappearance, they mention her boyfriend at the time, Harvey Anthony Caron. Um, who now lives in the same town as our guest from that episode, Gwen. And he's a really suspicious uh, person and uh, definitely on the radar of law enforcement and got into trouble just recently in 2019. This is a, uh, a dangerous case to look into, I think is, is, a, is a fair way to put it. So uh, definitely go check that episode out and... We're just trying to raise some awareness for Melinda McCollum's disappearance. It's a uh, very tragic and uh, terrifying case. And in 1993, Harvey pled no contest to the murder of another woman, 45-year-old Estella Vaughn, whose body was found in Roseburg, Oregon, more than two years after she disappeared. So again, this fellow was dating Melinda McCollum, um, pled guilty a few years after she went missing to a different woman's murder and is now out of custody and lives in the same town as our guest, Gwen. Right. And you said that this is a dangerous case to cover. This is a dangerous case to cover for law enforcement, let alone a civilian. And I don't want to come across as, and I know when you say things like, I don't want to come across as, you kind of already are coming across as what you're about to say you don't want to come across as, but I don't want to come across as like pod-splaining or, or investigation-splaining, but it's real... It's a real world thing. It's a real life thing. And we talk about domestic abuse and we talk about how these things escalate until it's too late. And if Gwen and this person of interest are in the same town and she is as energetic and enthusiastic in her personal civilian based investigation into this case, tread lightly on that because you're not equipped to handle what could possibly be coming your way if you're right. Law enforcement, they're equipped to he- to handle this. If you come across anything, you need to turn it in. You-, you need to put it in the right hands. Somebody like that man backed into a corner, you don't know what they're capable of. And Lance, last Friday on July 8th, 2022, we had a live pop-up show with Bill Thomas, the aforementioned Bill Thomas, and uh, and Rebecca Sebastian of the Dialogue podcast and Yellow Tape True Crime Trivia. We had them on this live show where we broke down what happened at CrimeCon 2022 when Bill Thomas was, I'm doing air quotes here, missing um, at, at CrimeCon 2022. Because in Rebecca Sebastian's eyes, he was unaccounted for for a period of time. From Bill Thomas's perspective, he was exactly where he was supposed to be. And this actually led to some, I guess, comical confusion is a decent way to put it um, for us. And uh, I hope our audience found this amusing as well. We cover a lot of missing persons cases on this show and we don't make light of them. 
Um, but this situation, because it had a happy ending, it felt like it was okay to sort of dive into it a little bit and try to have a little fun with it. Also because both Bill and Rebecca were 100% on board. And I think everybody realized and appreciated the fact that it did have a happy ending. But I love the idea that these people came together, especially Rebecca, Kristen Dilley. Uh, we had Dr. Shiloh. You and I, we were, we were all talking about Bill that night and looking for him and trying to figure out the best course of action. And it was this wonderful like relief and sigh when we found out that he was okay. Also... He was very confused about why people thought he was missing. And then when you heard the story and all these little miscommunications that happened, it was like a Coen Brothers movie without like the super <laughs> tragic ending, without like the holy crap ending. I love it that it is this example of the balance that we always maintain with ourselves and our colleagues and our friends, that we can have a call to action in real time for one of our own and also have the self-awareness to laugh at it after the fact while still delivering the message that, hey, if it happened again, we would do it the exact same way again. Because I think Rebecca had said she didn't want to be known as the person who cried wolf or the person who cried Bill, Bill Thomas. <laughs> That'll yeah. never happen. Because if we're at CrimeCon or some event and we're all together again and you don't show up at an event or me or Rebecca or Kristen Dilly, like we'll, we'll do it all again and we'll all hope that we'll we'll have that laugh after just like we did this time yeah it, it was a a great discussion and we really did go through like where that line is in or we at least explored it where that line is before you kind of go too far or or whether you don't go far enough um in this case that was um not contacting bill's partner which would have been late at night. Um, so that was kind of the line there that, that everyone sort of held up before crossing. And I think that was the right call. So I, I do think it was handled well that evening. And you can hear all of that conversation on our Crawlspace YouTube page at youtube.com slash crawlspace. And you'll search for it in the live videos. But also, it is playing on our Missing Premium feed. And you can find that at missing.supportingcast.fm. And Missing Premium is where you get all of our episodes, including this one, ad-free. And you also get weekly bonus shows called Hidden Opinions. And we played that Missing Bill Thomas live show on our premium service at missing.supportingcast.fm. And for the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can sign up, you can get ad-free episodes, and you can get our weekly bonus show called Hidden Opinions. So check it out when you can. All right, Lance, and we were speaking about that line as far as like when to go too far or when to pull back on your friend or your loved one being unaccounted for. There's a story out of Wilmington, North Carolina that was very disturbing, and it comes from WECT News, and an investigative journalist named Michael Pratz did a couple of stories and videos on this case the case of Val Duvray, a Wilmington man who police encountered and ran his name through a database, and he showed up a day later dead. But here's the kicker. The family had actually reported him missing about 10 days before the police interacted with him. And then that day after the police 
interacted with him, he was found dead. This one raises so many questions in such a short period of time. This article that we were referencing by Michael Pratt's and Alexandria Sands was published on May 24th, 2022. And this story begins in mid-April, correct? April 17th? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's two articles. Um, there's one that came out in May and one that just came out in July, uh, July 11th. There are so many things about this story that are standing out and it's almost happening in real time as we're talking about it. One of the news articles that we're referencing was published on May 24th, 2022. And this one was by the aforementioned Michael Pratt's along with Alexandria Sands from the WECT News 6 website. The call that the Wilmington Police Department officers responded to was on April 17th. And that was after Val had been already declared a missing person? Yeah, Val was staying at the Coastal Horizons program as an outpatient in Wilmington, and that's some kind of rehab facility. And his parents his, or his dad and his brothers were looking for him. So Val was homeless by choice at this point. And after he had left the rehab facility, his dad filed a police report, a missing persons report, with the police department. And then about 10 days later, apparently Val, the missing person who's now deceased, told the police that he was being chased. And there are some inconsistencies on what is actually in the video, the body cam video, versus what the police told Val's father, who's also named Val Duvray. So we have Val Jr., who is the deceased young man, and we have Val Sr., who is his father, who is trying to just get some answers about this. Apparently, he was allowed to view this body cam footage through the Internal Affairs Department of the uh, police department, which is interesting. I don't know if that's typically the channels that something like that has to go through that it has to be reviewed by internal affairs within the, the police department before family members are allowed to view it. I have no idea, but it's interesting that they mentioned this. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that's typical. I think that has something to do with um, Val being found dead after the police had stopped him and after this missing persons report was filed and apparently fell through the cracks on this body video body cam video you can hear the officer you can actually see him entering val's name into the database and you can hear him kind of talking to himself about it he's like uh it's like oh there's, there was this charge and he's kind of just like casually talking to himself and again it's, it's not his fault I'm not, I'm not blaming the officers about this um specifically i don't know why though that this wasn't entered into the National Crime Information Center, also known as the NCIC, which is a nationwide database maintained by the FBI, where law enforcement agencies of all levels, from federal to local police departments, can enter information about missing persons, crimes, fugitives, and it is available to all law enforcement across the country. But apparently North Carolina state law allows for one month of leeway after a missing persons report is filed to be officially entered into that system. However, in this case, in, in the tragic case of Val, he is literally dead because of this, because of this one month waiting period. And, and only about 10 days, I think, went by after the police report was found, uh, filed and Val was found deceased. But 
if that was shorter, he would likely be alive at this point because Val would have come up as a missing person and then probably taken into custody, you would think, at least connected with his father. So many what ifs, right? And I really, really hope that this thing isn't the case where law enforcement knew that this was somebody who was coming from an outpatient program, knew that this was somebody who was recovering from some sort of addiction, voluntarily homeless and didn't have them put on any level of priority when they first encountered this person, when they first encountered Val. I I hope that there wasn't that stigma that was initially applied to Val where he just fell off the radar. But we do know that the family reviewed these body cam tapes, and according to this article, each one lasted about 10 minutes, and... According to, and this is a quote from the article, Val's brother, Zan, he said, that is showing the complete opposite of what we've been told for over a month now. I want the whole world to see this because the whole world needs to know something's going on. I don't want to read too deep into the something's going on end of that, that tag at the end, something's going on. But if they've been told something that's even close to the opposite of what they saw, And coupled with the fact that this was reviewed and, I guess, approved for the family viewing by Internal Affairs, this might be some Pandora's box that this police department is about to open. Yeah, it's possible. It it seems like sort of a bureaucratical uh, failure, if, if I'm reading this correctly, though, because there are no federal laws requiring law enforcement to report missing adults to the NCIC. However, some states enforce this law, but there's no federal law, which is is completely crazy to me, especially when you call it the National Crime Information Center. Why would there not be a federal law on that? It's just up to the states to do whatever they want on the National Information Center. It makes no sense. It's a bit misleading in their name, right? You'd think that the national whatever is something that's supported by the federal government, but this does appear to be something that is just left, not just, but this appears to be something that is left in the hands of the state. And that's, that's the union, right? So the states get to decide on many cases, individually based state issues. And this just happens to be one that falls in this particular state, and unfortunately, a glaring failure when yeah. looking at this tragic case of Val. Yeah, there's no question there. And uh, we've had some some Twitter contact with the investigative reporter, Michael Pratz. So we may uh, try to have him on to discuss this case a little bit more. I think it's important, and I think this is um, sort of a, uh, a big issue that is not exactly presenting itself as big of an issue as it really is exactly that's a great way to put it and that's sort of what i was getting at at the beginning of this is that the more you look into it the more you realize that this isn't just a cut and dry situation where where someone who is homeless ended up in in a bad moment and their life was taken not like any of them are cut and dry anyway but again the more that you look into it and just read the more in the words of his brother zan Something feels like it's going on. There's something under the surface here. And not to mention that he was allegedly being chased. In Val's words, he was being chased. Right. Yeah, that's one of the other articles discusses. um, And Val was found dead at a brewery 
and family has said that what they were told by police is different from what the body cam actually shows. And we most likely will have that investigative journalist, Michael Pratt's on. As you mentioned, we would love to have the father on as well, because his description of watching the video is heartbreaking in these articles, especially when he sees the part where Val says he's being chased by two men. And one of them, I guess, might have been holding a bat. And the father had to, Val Sr., had to ask them to rewind it so he could watch it again. Which is amazing that you're doing this in front of law enforcement and you need to see that footage again so you can figure out what's going on. I don't know where the investigation's at because obviously we're not part of the Wilmington Police Department. We don't have the inside track there. Maybe they are working on it super hard and and really, you know, hitting the streets on it. But again, feels like something else is going on here. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. And Lance, in our episode from The Missing Podcast that was released on June 27th, 2022, we discuss the murder of Livy Lewis. And speaking of frustrating tragedies that could have been avoided, this case is one as well. We would love to come on this show and say, here's an update about Matthew Edgar, but we can't. Because there is no update. Because when you look up anything on this, all the articles are, are are so old at this point. He just walked out of the courthouse after the second day of his hearing. And because his bond was reached due to some weird loophole, he was able to just leave. And I'm not oversimplifying it. This is what happened. He walked out of the courthouse. There's a picture of him on January 26th. He was supposed to arrived back at the courthouse the next day on the 27th. He didn't show up, and no one has seen him since. He has actually been sentenced to 99 years. So this is just a formality. The third day was essentially a formality where he would be sentenced, I'm assuming, and proceed to serve out his time and maybe file some appeals. But he just didn't show up, didn't come back. And to add insult to injury... He actually filed, and I know we've said this before, but I just can't have this lost in the in the mix of everything. He filed charges against Livy Lewis's mom, Darcy, because she saw him in a convenience store after his bond was reached and he was able to leave, and she became verbally and physically abusive towards him. He killed her daughter. And he had the audacity to file charges for, I believe it was, endangerment and bodily harm. Something like that. I mean, just the the, the absolute audacity on this kid. Yeah. And now he's gone. And he's a murderer. He's a convicted murderer. Convicted murderer. On the loose. So if you see this person, please do the right thing and contact the U.S. Marshal Service or the Texas Rangers, or the Sabine County Sheriff's Office. And that's Sabine County in Texas, and the courthouse that he walked out of was in Hemphill. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Hemphill, Texas. And Lance, last Tuesday night, July 5th, for our Crime and Culture live show, which is something we do every other Tuesday night on Crawlspace, on Crawlspace's channels, 
It streams live, and we had an amazing panel about ethics in true crime creation with Rabia Shadri, Celine Beth Olson, and Sarah Kayleen joining us for this live show. And it was brought to our attention by Celine Beth, who is a friend of ours. We've had her on the show. She's a documentarian. She's worked on a Ted Bundy documentary and that is where we initially made contact with her. And since then, we've maintained a really good relationship. Like I said, she's a friend of ours. And now I'm happy to say that all of those individuals who were present during that panel are not only excellent colleagues of ours, but I would consider them friends as well. Sarah Kayleen, we've had her on numerous times, so she's an old friend. And we wanted to talk about this issue that has gained so much momentum in the true crime community about ethics and qualifications and misuse of your popularity and whatever power that you might have garnered over the course of your existence in the true crime community. It really ripples out to the listeners, to victims, family members, friends, etc. Media coverage. It's becoming a problem. And for whatever reason, I feel like we are in a good, you and I and the Crawl Space Network, we are in a good position to use our platform to make sure that this doesn't turn into a situation that we see all too often in other industries where it's swept under the rug until it becomes so big and so controversial and so detrimental that it actually brings down to a point some industries and some organizations. Uh, what we try to do with the true crime community is be as productive as possible, learn from our mistakes, which we've made plenty and hopefully have responsibly learned from. And again, use our platform to try to encourage others to do the same. So by the time this ethics panel is released on Crawl Space, on YouTube, on the podcast feed on July 24th, there's a very, very, very good chance that at least one, maybe two news articles from major mainstream news organizations will be covering this. So again, this is something that is gaining momentum and it's important to listen to so that it doesn't turn into something that is going to bring down or significantly harm this particular genre. That is coming to the Crawl Space podcast feed on July 24th, 2022. So you can check that out there. And Lance, on Thursday, July 14th, on The Missing Feed, we are releasing an episode about the disappearance of Tabitha Queen from Bastrop, Louisiana. It is not out at the time of this recording, but it will be out this week. And this is a another really tragic case and um, pretty much terrifying to hear the details that Tabitha was essentially abducted from her home in front of her children. And it's one of these disappearances, one of these stories that we look at each other and we're like, why hasn't this been solved yet? Tiny town. Everyone knows everyone. Everyone seems to know who's responsible. But there hasn't been any significant movement that we know of that could lead to a conclusion. Now, we do know through our inside sources that there has been some developments. But again, nothing has been officially declared as a homicide or she hasn't been or she's been found or there's been a sighting incredibly heart-wrenching because the last time anyone heard from her 
It was on Mother's Day, May 9th, 2021, and she called her mother to wish her a happy Mother's Day. And like you said, Tim, she is a mother of three, lived her life hustling to raise her kids, and now she's gone, and now those kids don't have a mom as far as we know. Yeah, it's really sad. And Tabitha's mom, Mary, speaks with Crawl Space Media's Jennifer Amell in this episode to uh, really break it down. And you can hear that emotion on Mary's voice. And Tabitha Queen is 5'4 and weighed about 230 pounds when she vanished. She's an African-American woman. And if you have any information, please contact the Bastra Police Department at 318-281-1322. And every time we've talked about Tabitha's disappearance, we like to mention that a colleague of ours, Gray Hughes, has done a wonderful breakdown of this surveillance video. So please, if you have time, go to Gray Hughes Investigates, his YouTube channel, and you can look at this video that he does. He breaks down the surveillance of this car between two buildings, an individual walking away. He does a really great job and provides a really productive service to Tabitha's disappearance. All right, Lance, and we're almost done here with this episode, but uh, one more missing persons case to mention out of Cherokee County, Georgia, and the Cherokee Sheriff's Office is requesting assistance in locating William Lightfoot, who is a white man, seems pretty young. He was last seen at 3310 Trinity Church Road in Canton, Georgia, around 9 p.m. on July 8th, 2022. So this is a very recent case. Hopefully he can be found uninjured, unharmed. If you have any information on William's whereabouts, please call 678-493-4080. All right, everybody, thanks a lot for listening. Make sure to check out Tabitha Queen's episode on Thursday, and we'll see you soon. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.